I'm Lights Camera Jackson. This is the LCJ Q&A podcast. The summer of Sony animation on Netflix continues with Vivo this Friday, August 6th. Kirk D'Amico, the director, joins me now. Kirk, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. You were here on the podcast in 2013 with Chris Sanders for The Croods. That was episode 13 of the podcast. This is number 193. So, so yes. You've done done a lot, 178 more things than I have, I think. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, it's like seeing an old friend again. It's been eight years. How have the last eight years been, Kirk? Oh, amazing. It's just been a wonderful time. No, it's been crazy, man. I mean, look, uh, we're so excited about this movie. Like, it's just... uh, it it so it has come in a time where when we started in 2016 on on Vivo, you know, we were all everyone's engaged in, in, in loving the story, and then as time progressed and we got towards like the pandemic and, and going to what it's like the amount of joy that this movie and the songs brought to us as a crew and to everybody. I'm I'm just happy to be able to share it now at this time. Yes, I've seen the movie. I love the music. I love the look. I love so many elements of this film. First of all, how do you feel? What kind of honor does this mean to you for it to be Sony Pictures Animation's first musical? Oh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, well, I mean, having Lin-Manuel Miranda songs anytime, I think, is an honor. So I would imagine that it's an honor for all of us. It's a special movie in that he's, it's, you know, he was one of the first architects of the, the movie and the idea. And he's been, it's been with him longer than it has with me. I mean, he started in 2009. And so, you know, these songs um, have evolved and the characters have evolved, but the character of Vivo has been with him a very long time. And, you know, it's a very interesting kind of unique position that it's a musical where the singer songwriter is also the star. Yeah. Um, and so he's got a connection with it beyond anything, you know, it's not unlike, you know, sometimes actors in animation might've, you know, we don't see them in a year. We don't see them in six months, as you know, they come back to like, they've done two movies between that. And, and so, but you know, it was never, he was always part of the storytelling part of the, the, the movie um, plus the acting and the singing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, he does a great job with the songs, not only writing them, but performing them. He is Vivo the Kinkachu. So how was it being in the vocal booth with him as he's doing dialogue for this main character of a major animated movie? Yeah, you know, it was great. He does it. He's been doing a lot of acting. He does that voice acting. And I think that, you know, he loves animation. He loves feature animation and TV cartoon. He has uh, an encyclopedic knowledge of that as well, uh, as uh, you know, in addition to all the things musical. So, and I, it was a really fun thing because I think he was able to sort of have expressed parts of himself that I, I keep thinking there's this scene on the boat where he's just super fun, you know, goofy and silly and just really having fun and being super frustrated and things that we might not expect and then you know the emotional you know digging songs yes i mean those are you know what we love and the other part of him being in the, the booth was the sessions which would be vocal sessions for scenes it would constantly also be running as a songwriter and there'd be opportunities where we'd be working on a scene that we had written and he'd be sort of like this one might become a song one day you know and so he'd be we, we, as we're building the movie, sort of spotting sort of areas that could be musicalized. Um, that sequence, Keep the Beat, which is the one on the boat that was released, that clip, mm. that was a scene for two years in its entirety until last May when he wrote that song. And that song was very much inspired by like, you know, leaning into the curve and the pandemic and all of us being, you know, not knowing what's next. And so right. he wrote that song from a great spot of inspiration and kind of really um, took a, took what he, what was a fun comedic scene and made it really emotional. And yeah, so- yeah. 
that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. When I was young, I uh, I played the drums nice. in fifth grade and sixth grade, and I can still really keep a steady beat. I remember auditioning in my elementary school to play the drums, and the band teacher was looking at all of our feet and trying to see who could keep the best steady beat. And I always thought that I did, and I did a good enough job to get one of the couple positions to be on the percussion uh, portion of the band. Um, I So I really enjoyed getting the opportunity through this movie to see, you know what, kids can really learn about music and finding a steady beat. Yeah, I think that was the one of the big things we always, bringing Gabby into the movie was an opportunity for Vivo to be sort of go from like, um, you know, a student to mentor in a way, right? Because he was a student of Andres. Andres taught him everything he knew about music. And it is a musical about musicians and music and the power of music. So that'd be great if like kids, you know, understanding that this is, you know, finding marching the beat of your own drum, but also, but also taking a lesson on board from someone who knows it, as you're saying, is, you know, you do need to have some fundamentals, um, which is what we kind of did with uh, Gabby sort of at the beginning of their relationship is sort of like, I know it all. I know it all as we all do. And then he's just like, let me help you a little bit. And she improves a long time. Um, just like Andres taught Vivo everything he knows about music. That's right. There are a lot of core relationships in this movie between two characters. You have Vivo and Andres and Vivo and Gabby and Andres and Marta. And what's really interesting is I think as families watch this on Netflix, the whole family can watch this. And I really feel like grandparents are going to get something out of the Andres and Marta relationship. Do you really think about that as you're making this of playing to all ages when it comes to this animated film? Well, on this one, I think it was especially, it was built in. I don't think you ever want to stretch it, but there was something already about the relationship with Andres. And when we started talking about Marta with Chiara and I started bringing Marta to the scene and building it, it was like the idea of a musical about romance. And it wasn't for, for everyone, but you don't want to exclude anyone, right? You want, you want, if there's an opportunity that it makes sense and that the story um, is, you listen to the story. And so it was great that the studio and everyone, and then with the music and the great casting of Juan DeMarcos and Gloria Stefan, I mean, when you've got Gloria and Buena Vista Social Club, you know, you have this Cuban heritage that you want to make, make you know, pay great tribute to. Those characters are the heart of the movie. I mean, they know very, you know, they might have, you know, their, their screen time, but the, the goal is, you know, Vivo's trying to be a great son. He's trying to do a noble mission. He's doing something on behalf of someone that gave him everything. And I think that's a message, as you say, I hope everyone can relate to that. I definitely think they will. Kirk D'Amico is with me here for Bebo. It's this Friday, August 6th on Netflix. You have Roger Deakins on board for this film as a visual consultant, two-time Oscar winner. He was nominated for so many years that he finally wins it now twice in a row. How was it having him? What made you want to bring him in to give this film a really distinct, really cool visual eye? Oh, thanks. The idea from the get-go was that this movie was going to have sort of a, because we had these musical numbers and because of the way Lynn writes music, it's very diverse. And it's really nice because throughout the course of the film, you're getting changes of music. And so the idea was that each, we would have a song and maybe that each song would have a different look. And so there needed to be somebody and somebody who's has great, uh, you know, visual sense to kind of bring this all together and kind of marry it into something that was, and the songs, as you know, as what you're talking about, is it's sort of a, it has a lot of cinematic sweep. And so it was yeah. Roger um, was very excited by the story. He loved the idea of also making things a little more theatrical 
more animated. Um, things have been getting very photoreal recently. And so we were going with a very musical style. This should be something that like a 1950s studio musical, right? It's like everything is designed, big colors, big light. Um, and so the idea of having him to help guide us, um, you know, along our way of trying to marry all of these different looks into one coherent vision was, was, was priceless. Oh, I'm so glad you have him on board for this. And yeah, when you go a couple points in the movie into hand-drawn, gorgeous, gosh. Cool, that'll be, the artists were, had done so much and they, spent so like that sequence was one that I think, again, it was like, we can do a lot of things in animation. You have to do the ones that are earned and the ones that are organic. And the idea that it came from Andres's idea of the world was that beautiful. Mm -hmm. And his idea of love with this woman was that beautiful. And yet it would scare the heck out of Vivo that he would like not want anything to do with it, it was really a, a fun opportunity. One of my favorite characters to look at is Ludador the Python. Yes. Cool. Wow. With the fact that his eyes, his mouth, that purple tongue, the way he glows in the dark, how challenging of a character was he to put together? Well, not challenging for me, for the artist, challenging. <laughs> I definitely don't know what I would be doing. I, Carla Zaragoza, our production designer and our art directors, um, and they, the, the surfacing, the diamond shapes and the way the visual effects supervisors and the people at Sony Imageworks were able to build him so that everything and, and for him to exist, as you're saying, you picked up is to exist in two lighting setups, you know, cause there's the really dramatic lighting setup where Vivo's sort of rapping to en enrage him to trick him, um, versus the real, the real life, uh, um, setup of, of the jungle, as you pointed to, um, it was a super big challenge. He was a character that we were like searching for a bit. And when Michael Rooker did the voice, it just came together because he has such style Rooker and he has this, this kind of just this ease, but it's scary. I just, I think he did such it, like, it was a good match for that design and that voice. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, uh, maybe Annie awards worthy submission for that character to work on that, that cool. character. You might do well with them in a, in a couple of months. I I, I, yeah. I love a, a little part of this movie is, people on a bus and you're in Florida and they're rallying around their bus driver. And I'm thinking, gosh, that feels so real because I think we've had all those moments. You're on a plane. You want it to land safely. You're on a bus. You want to get there on time. Did right. that come from uh, real life? Some of that inspiration for that yeah. element? We had, you know, the funny thing was, is that th those, that kind of opportunity came from some storyboard artists. And we, the idea was in, in that we were talking about, you know, the, the tourists that come from Miami to Key West, they go from Key West to Miami, you know, you're still in the party mode. It's like, it's Florida. People are having fun. People are having a good time. And so, you know, getting like, you're exactly your point. It's like, if you're circling around Disney world for four hours, if the, when the plane lands, everyone cheers, It's just the way it is. So they're like, Oh no, we're not going to. And then rallying around, he's like, next stop Miami. And I think that's great that you spotted that. Yes, that's funny. I could definitely relate to that. I think a lot of people will. And as we wrap things up here, Kirk, all right, it's been eight years since we talked. Yes. What are your plans for the next eight years? Or if you don't want to look that far, maybe the next eight months. Eight months. Wow. Um, well, right now, honestly, we're just so excited that this, this is a new experience, having it come on Netflix and having this many people get to watch it. You guys, you know, the way, like the way you enjoyed it. This is really cool. You know, honestly, that you have this kind of reaction because I imagine you watched it at home on your TV and, or, you yes. know, and so, 
you know, that is really special because I think like in this, you know, the way everything is right now that he can get it safely into people's homes. We're just waiting to, you know, it's been a while. And so we're excited to see how, it, how it's received. Yes. Had it on the big screen in the living room and everybody enjoyed it. And I think so many families will really love this. Vivo premieres this Friday, August 6th on Netflix. Kirk D'Amico, thank you so much for being on the LCJ Q&A. Congrats on this. I think it's going to be a big hit for families for the end of the summer. All right. Well, my goal is three years to talk to you next. That's my okay. Goal. I'm, gonna All right, try, good. I'm trying to get some done in the next three years. All right. So not eight. I'll be too old. So I'll per- try. Perfect. Perfect. We'll have you back on in three years. Fantastic. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at LCJ Reviews, Instagram at Lights Cam Jackson, and I will see you next time on the LCJ Q and A podcast.